2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at the first seven verses this morning. Uh, 2 Timothy is a letter written by Paul uh, to his young protege in the faith, Timothy. Timothy was overseeing uh, several of the churches there in Ephesus. Uh, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy from prison. It's his uh, second imprisonment in Rome. He's waiting his beheading. He tells us later in the letter that his, he's expecting his life. His life is being poured out as a drink offering. His life is expected to be short. He knows he's facing, facing death, facing, facing certain death. Yet he takes time to pen this letter to Timothy. He takes time to write this letter of encouragement, a letter of correction, and a letter of direction, really. Just giving Timothy the things and the tools that he needs because he understands what's coming for Timothy as well. Not long after this letter was written, Timothy himself would be killed in the streets of Ephesus. So in chapter 1, we saw Paul tell Timothy three very important things. He said, number one, stir up the gift of God which is in you. God's given you a gift. Stir it up because he has, he has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind. So Paul told, was very clear, told Timothy to stir up this gift, you know, get it moving, keep it working. And we, we know that gift from, the, from later in the chapter is, is evangelism that he's talking, about, talking to Timothy about. But he also told him in chapter one, he said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't be ashamed of my testimony either. Many people were forsaking Paul during this time. They were leaving him. Paul's in prison. I mean, you can understand how that would be a difficult time for Timothy to even stay true to Paul. Paul's kind of being labeled as a troublemaker, as one who stirs up problems. But yet, Paul's telling Timothy, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm I'm here because of the gospel and for no other reason. The third thing he told Timothy was to hold fast the pattern of sound words. Hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you heard from me in faith and the love with our, which are in Christ. Hold fast to this sound doctrine that I've taught to you. Timothy, don't overcomplicate the gospel. Don't get away from it. Don't fall into what so many other people are teaching and preaching. And you know, Keep it simple, Timothy. Hold fast to what you've heard from me. And now in chapter 2, we're going to see Paul continue his very pointed, his very direct commands. But yet he's also going to encourage Timothy. So let's pick up in chapter 2. Verse 1, he says, You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice he calls him his son. He was not his biological son, but he sees him as his son in the faith. It kind of, it, it lets us know their relationship, how close that they were, and, and how this is a difficult time for Paul. He realizes Timothy may not get this letter while, while he's still alive. It, you know, they couldn't send this on email like we do. He couldn't just, you know, tweet it or send it out on Facebook. It had to be hand carried. And he tells Timothy, my son, and look what he says, be strong, Timothy. Be strong. And the word be strong, that means to be enabled, to be able to cause someone to have the ability to do or experience something. In other words, he's telling Timothy to be strengthened. Uh, the ESV translates it, be strengthened. Be strengthened, Timothy. And notice what he's telling him to be strengthened in. This is important. Because when we say be strong, your mind can go to, I need physical strength. I need emotional strength. I need my physical health. I can be strengthened in all kinds of things. But look what Paul says to Timothy. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, or that is in Jesus Christ. Be strong in the grace, Timothy. Your strength, strengthen yourself in the grace. Get stronger in the grace. So what is the grace? What does that mean, the grace of Christ Jesus? Well, grace, it means undeserved favor. It means unmerited favor. It means getting what you don't deserve. I find it interesting, during these troubling times... Paul is telling Timothy to strengthen himself in the grace of God. That's important for us because we need to do the same thing. We need to make sure we're strengthening ourselves in the grace of God. 
And grace is God's free provision for us through Jesus. Grace manifests itself as we trust in the person and the work of Jesus by granting us all that we would need, all that we would yearn for, and all that we are commanded to walk in and become. And all of this is granted to us despite our inadequacies, despite our failures, despite the fact that we don't deserve it, despite the fact that we could never earn it, we could never produce the merit that would earn or deserve this on our own. So Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, there's strength available to you. Go strengthen yourself in the grace of God. Now, I would see Timothy, and we kind of know from our study that Timothy tends to be a little timid. He tends to be a little, maybe presents himself a little quiet, perhaps a little shy. And you could think, I mean, I would think Paul would be telling Timothy, Timothy, man up. You know, none of this emotional nonsense. Come on, Timothy, get it together. Pull it together. But that's not his heart. Paul says to Timothy, strengthen yourself in the grace of God. Strengthen yourself. He's speaking about a strength that he has personally experienced. Paul is not telling Timothy to do anything that he hasn't done himself. Remember, if you, if you studied the book of first, or 2 Corinthians, you know that Paul had a thorn in his side. They call, they call it a thorn in his flesh. There was an illness that he was carrying with him. There was something that was drawing him down. His health wasn't good. And there's speculation. Some people think it was his eyes. There's, there's a lot of different speculation on what it really was. But we're not, we're not 100% sure. But what did we know is we know that Paul went to the Lord and he prayed three times for the removal of this thorn. And the third time Jesus met him and he said this, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength, the strength of the Lord, is made perfect in what? In weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul would go on to say, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in being sick. I I take pleasure in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses that are for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So if Paul's telling Timothy to strengthen himself in the grace of Jesus Christ, wouldn't he also be telling us the exact same thing? Don't we as followers of Christ need to be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ? Here's what it comes down to. Do you really understand what you have been given when you believe on Jesus Christ? We need to strengthen ourselves in that daily. You need to consider daily the things, the benefits, the things that you have by the salvation that you receive the moment you believe on Jesus Christ. When you have a believer on Jesus Christ, they have a whole host of things that belong to them that somebody who's chosen to reject Christ doesn't have. They don't have it. But someone who believes on Jesus Christ, and this is where you study the scriptures and you find these promises of God. I can't certainly list them all for you this morning, but I want to list a couple of them for you. We need to believe, we need, remind yourself of these things daily. When you get up in the morning, when you're, when you're feeling down, when life is pressing in, when life is hard, when, when being a dad, being a mom, being an employee, whatever it is, it's just, you're, maybe you're sick physically, whatever it is, remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Strengthen yourself in the grace of Jesus Christ. Number one, your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future if you're in Jesus Christ. Oh, we take that for granted, don't we? We just, we just forget that. Your sins are forgiven. Number two, you've been given power over sins. Romans chapter 6, 14 tells us we have the power over sin. We're no longer in bondage to sin anymore. It doesn't mean we're perfect because we still make mistakes, but we're no longer, we have a choice now. We have an option not to sin. We become a child of God. Aren't we all children of God? Not according to the scriptures. Only those who believe on Jesus Christ are children of God. John chapter 1, verse 12 tells us that. Revelation chapter 21 tells us that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You're promised an inheritance. The Lord becomes your helper instead of your judge. Think about that. 
If, you're, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you strengthen yourself. The Lord is my helper. He's my helper. He's no longer, he, we don't look at, as Christians, we're not going to face the same judgment that a non-Christian believes. We'll face the, what's called the judgment seat where we'll be rewarded for our, our things that we do here on earth, but we're not going to be at the white throne judgment that's spoken of in the book of Revelation. That's where the non-believers will be. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Think about that. Do you need to be reminded that you're a new creation? What about when you blow it? What about when you have a bad week and you, you know, I mean, we're all human. We all have bad weeks and maybe we say some things, think them, think, you know, I often think the difference between a, between a, uh, a mature Christian and a non-mature Christian is a mature Christian just thinks that a non-mature Christian says it. The, the more we mature, we just learn not to let it out of our mouth, but it still goes on in our heads sometimes. But maybe we've had that and we need to remember, I need to strengthen myself in the grace. I need to remember that I have the grace, that my sins aren't being held against me. It doesn't mean that we have a license to sin. Should we continue in sin that grace should abound? Paul would say certainly not. That's not what it's saying here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You see, there's these promises that go along with the grace of God, and we need to remember them. We need to strengthen ourselves in this grace that we've received from Christ Jesus. Again, I must make it clear, it only comes through Jesus Christ. When we sing about the work that he did at the cross, it's so much more than simply eternal. We get it now. When we walk with Jesus and we become saved, we have these things given to us now. Sure, the hope of eternal, and someday we're going to be in heaven with him forever, but there's work to be done now. We have that promise and that hope. Listen, we need to realize that as Christians, we are already victorious in Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are sitting here victorious this morning. It doesn't matter what your day looks like, what your week looks like, how bad you were before. You're a new creation the moment you believe. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a position of victory. We've already obtained the victory. God already sees it played out. Isn't it cool that God can see your life and what you're going to become? Regardless of how much time you have left on this earth, because we don't know that, right? But God already knows what you're going to become. He already understands. He already sees your life played out before him. And he chose to save us anyways. He chose to love us anyways. Paul would also go on to tell Timothy in verse 2. He says, Timothy, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He says, Timothy, take the things that I've taught you. I've taught them in the presence of many other people, Timothy, and pass them on to men who can teach them also. Timothy, I'm teaching you something not just simply so you can retain it. I'm teaching you something. You've learned things from me and from the other apostles. You've learned things. Why? So that you can give it out. Christianity needs to be something that we get and then we give out. It should come not only in you, it should come out of you. When you study the word of God, you should look for opportunities to share with other people. Don't be weird about it. Don't be strange about it. But when someone comes to you with a problem, share what the Bible says. This is, this is, if you look at it, this is church planning 101. It is. Paul, Paul says to Timothy, I'm going to teach you. Now you go teach other people what I taught you and let God do the work. But notice what kind of men that Timothy is supposed to look for. It says, no, it says, you, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to, what kind of men? Faithful men. Paul didn't say find men who were educated. 
He didn't say find men who were well-spoken, wealthy, perfect and sin-free. Find smart men. Find good-looking men, popular men. Find, find all of these things. And No, what did he say? Find faithful men. What does the word faithful mean? It means reliable. It means trustworthy. It means dependable. Timothy, find men who are reliable. Find men who are trustworthy. Find men who are dependable. And pour out the things that I've poured into you into their life. Isn't that what equipping the saints for the work of the ministry is? Isn't that the call of the church is to equip the saints for the, edify the body of Christ and equip the saints for the work of the ministry? As Christians, we're not supposed to just come here on Sunday and that this be, this would be the only interaction we have with the Lord all week. We're supposed to be interacting with the Lord every day, strengthening ourselves in the grace. We're supposed to be taking the things that we learn, sharing them when we have opportunity. We don't, you're not, if, if that's your heart, if you want to share the things that you're learning about the Lord, you just ask the Lord to bring those opportunities to you and he will. You don't have to go looking for him. You know, have you ever met the weird person that wants to come and they want to tell you all about God and as soon as they start coming, you're going, I don't want anything to do with you. That's not how we have to be as believers. If your heart is to share what you're learning, God will bring those people to you. It's amazing that God will bring them right in the situations. How many times have you read a devotion in the morning, heard something, and then later that day, that verse is needed to be recalled because you're going to give that information back out to somebody else because somebody came to you and said, oh, this is going on. Well, I read in my devotion this morning, you know, all things, all things work together for good to those who are called, who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So whatever's going on in your life, maybe, that's, maybe that's, it's working together for good because you love the Lord. You see, that's the way that the Lord works. It doesn't have to be weird or strange. And this is what ministry is all about. That's what I'm doing here. I'm teaching you what I've been taught. The things that I share from the here are things that I've learned from other men that have poured into my life. I share them with you so that you can go out and share them with other people. If you don't share them with other people, you know what's going to happen? You're going to just get bigger and pop. You just, it'll keep coming in, but nothing will come out. No, that's not true. We should have a desire as believers to share the things, the good things of God. If I truly understand what God's grace brings to me, how can I not want to share it with somebody who doesn't know it? Especially if they're in a difficult situation. If I realize there's hope for somebody in the gospel, in the grace of God, in the strength of God, if I realize that what's taking place in their life, they could benefit from knowing the scriptures, from understanding the scriptures, from being encouraged by the scriptures, why wouldn't I want to share that with them? I would. I would. I, and I, I would hope that you would too. Now he goes on in verse 3. And you're not going to like this verse. He says, you therefore must endure hardship he says timothy you're going to have to endure hardship as a good soldier of jesus christ paul reminds timothy that as a follower of jesus christ he doesn't say he might endure hardship he must endure hardship you and i need to come to the realization that as we choose to follow christ hardship will come our way difficulty will come our way circumstances that we don't like that are uncomfortable that are there are circumstances we'd rather rather get away from it's not a matter if it'll come it's a matter of when it'll come it's often been said you're either going into a trial coming out of a trial or right in the middle of a trial it's it's that's the way that the christian life goes if you've lived long enough you realize the things of life there's always something coming that's next but is that true of us today rob do we have to endure hardship 
I think we do as we look around the body of Christ in, in, our, in our small fellowship here. I, if we were to go around and say, is there hardship in your life? I bet people could raise their hand and they could really share. See, most of us won't share it publicly and we won't even share it privately with one another. But when it comes to what's really going on in our heart, there's hardship there. Now, Paul's speaking to Timothy because he knows what's coming. The persecution of Christians is in full swing. And Paul understands that, Timothy, you're going to endure hardship. And, and we in our country don't endure that kind of hardship. But Wes Bentley was here last week. Do you think he's seeing the hardship that's being endured by believers? As the people in the South Sudan are fighting for their life and for their freedom? Of course they are. We have the blessing of being in this country. Listen, I wrote this down from, I read this from one commentator. It said this, if a believer is not willing to endure hardship, they will never accomplish much for Jesus Christ. They will give up as soon as something hard is required of them. They cannot even fulfill Jesus' call if anyone desires to come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's in Matthew. Are you willing to endure hardship for the Lord? Are you willing to, to go through those things? You see, naturally, what do we say? Uh-uh. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go through hard things. I don't want to deal those things. You know what I found amazing about Wes uh, last week? He has seen the worst of mankind. But he has also seen some incredible works of God. Some amazing things of God he's seen. He was sharing, he came back to the house for lunch. He was sharing some more things that he didn't share here. Some of the things that he's seen God do. He has to endure the hardship to be able to see what God's doing. It's for us too. We have to be willing to endure the hardship. But look what he says. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engages in the warfare, engaged in the warfare, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Paul gives Timothy three examples to learn from. He identifies three different people. The first one he identifies as a good soldier. A good soldier. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And he says, no one entangled in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Notice the type of soldier that Paul is calling Timothy to be. A good soldier. A good soldier. Uh, Spurgeon said it this way, he said, Paul does not exhort Timothy to be a common or ordinary soldier, but to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For all soldiers and all true soldiers may not be good soldiers. There are men who are, who are but just soldiers and nothing more. They only need sufficient temptation and they readily become cowardly, idle, useless, and worthless. But he is a good soldier who is bravest of the brave, courageous at all times, who is zealous, does his duty with heart and earnestness. Timothy, you're going to have to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to endure hardship, and I want you to do it as a good soldier. And what were some characteristics or the personality that he's talking about here? Paul made it very clear. He said, Timothy, I want you to realize this soldier is single-minded. He's focused. He's not double-minded. He realizes that, that Timothy was to focus on the war at hand, not entangling himself with the affairs of this life. He's to focus on pleasing his leader, which is Jesus Christ. He's a, he's, his mind has to be focused on the battle that takes place. I'm convinced that so often in our society we 
fail to see. And one of my favorite authors is A.W. Tozer in an old book he wrote, uh, Do You See the World as a Battleground or a Playground? How do you view the world? In our culture, I'm sad to say that we see it as a playground, don't we? It's all about entertainment. It's all about what, what are we, what's the next thing that we're going to get to do? Where's the next vacation we're going to go on? What's the next thing that we're, we're doing? But here's what we need to understand. The world that we live in, and it was a battleground then, and it hasn't changed. We've been deceived. If you, if you don't realize that you're in a battle for Jesus Christ, you're in a battle for your life. You're in a battle for the souls of men. If we don't see it that way, and we become, as Christians, so, so focused on the things of the world, what's going to happen? We're going to be useless soldiers for Christ. We're going to be useless. We're not going to be, we're not going to be, we're going to be good for nothing. Timothy must take the attitude of a soldier who's willing to detach himself from civilian life. Not that it's not here, not that it's not part of what we do, because we can't leave the world. We still live in this world. We still live in this country. We still live in this place. But our focus needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else. You say, Rob, isn't that a little kind of, you know, I mean, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to go on vacation. Sure it is. It's okay to do all those things, but I have to take an evaluation of myself and say, where is my focus? Do I see myself as a soldier? Do I see the United States, my city, my neighborhood? Do I see that as a battleground where I, I want to win uh, souls? I want to I show people the grace of God that I've got to experience. Or do I see myself as, well, I just don't want to offend anybody. I'll let them do their thing. I, I, just, I just don't want to... You know, I don't, at work, I just don't want to do that. No, we need to be soldiers. Look at, the, look at what he's saying. Soldiers are disciplined people. What do they soldiers do? Follow orders. They wait for the next order. Now, it's likely that as Paul wrote this, he was probably chained to a soldier. Being in prison, in a Roman prison, it was often they would chain the, chain the prisoners to the soldier. As he's penning this, as he's writing this, he's probably looking next to him, and we don't know for sure, but he's looking next to him at a soldier dressed in full gear as he's writing this, and he's talking about his, his, uh, his, his uh, discipline, about his, his focus, how he's following the orders. Can you imagine that being your job? Train, chain yourself to a prisoner and stand there all day just so he doesn't escape. That's what Paul's seeing. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. We need to be connected with Jesus Christ that way. Example number two, Paul uses what? An athlete, an athlete. Now, he often uses athletics in his illustrations. He talks about track and field in 1 Corinthians. He talks about boxing in 1 Corinthians. He talks about wrestling in Ephesians. But in order to be victorious, he says, an athlete must compete according to the rules. If anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The athlete doesn't have the ability to make up his or her own rules as they go along, do they? You can't start a race and go, well, this is the course, but I think I'm going to take a shortcut here. And you get there first. What's going to happen? You lose. You're disqualified. You didn't compete according to the rules. So why does a Christian think that they have the ability to make up their own rules for their life? God, this is what I want. This is what I want in my life. And if you don't give it to me, then you're being a mean God. God, I've, we've had this talk before. I want this thing and you're not giving it to me. Listen, I put it this way. It's possible to fall into the mistake of thinking we can make up our own rules for our Christian life. For some people, they have a special arrangement that goes something like this. I know this thing is sin, but God understands. God understands that sin. So I'll just keep going on in this sin. This goes against what Paul's telling Timothy. 
We'll just continue in this sin. No, you don't have the ability to make up the own rules. If you want to finish well, and you want to hear well done, good and faithful servant, you're going to have to walk according to the rules that Christ has laid down. Some of us might say, well, I don't really like that. I want to kind of be my own person. I want to do my own thing. No, no, you really don't. Because here's if, if that's you, you don't understand the love of God. You need to go strengthen yourself in the grace of God. Because the plan that God has laid out for you is so much greater than you breaking the rules and going off on your own. Trust me, I've done it. I've been off on my own. I've been away from the Lord. I know where it brings. I know what it, le- it leaves you empty. It leaves you desolate. It, it might even be fun. What is, sin is fun for a season, isn't it? That's what the Bible says. But eventually it's going to leave you where? Dead. It's going to leave you separate from the Lord. It is much, much better to follow God's rules, follow God's law for you, and understand and realize the reason he put those rules, those laws, those things that he tells us to do and the things that he tells us not to do in place is why? Because they're good for us. Because they benefit us. Because we will benefit by following them. And the last one he says, what? A farmer. A farmer. So far we've got a soldier We've got a farmer and we've got an athlete. Now, it says the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Some people think that Paul's telling Timothy here, because it's talking about partaking of the crops, some people think that Paul's telling Timothy, listen, Timothy, it's okay to be supported by your ministry. It's okay to receive financial support from the ministry. It's okay that you're, the, you're to partake first of the fruit. And that certainly could be a possibility. And it is okay to be supported by a ministry. Other people would say that Paul is telling Timothy, and he's using the farmer analogy to think of the hardworking farmer. Would anybody here doubt that farming is hard work? Would anybody here doubt that far, farming is not very glamorous, is it? You know, the people that we idolize in our society, anybody tell me who the number one farmer is in the United States of America? (laughs) Have you ever even seen a show or an article? This is the number one farmer. He's farmed more fields than anybody. We don't even think about it. Matter of fact, most of the time we drive by and look at the guy out in the field and go, I'm glad that's not me. But but it's farming. He, He says, listen, Paul's telling Timothy that job's not glamorous that a farmer does. It's often tedious. It's often boring. It's often unexciting. Nobody's really going to know who you are, but you need to labor like the farmer, Timothy. You need to labor like the farmer would labor. You know, what does the farmer do? He plants the seeds. And then he, what does he do? He prays for rain, right? Got to pray for rain. Then he's got the harvest and the tending of the, of the crops. All this he knew. And he's telling Timothy, Timothy, in your life, you're going to endure hardship. And we don't like that, do we? We don't want to hear that we have to endure hardship. But isn't it a fact of life? Haven't you endured hardship? Is there anybody here in life besides a young, younger people that said, I've never been through hardship in my life? Raise your hand. If you've never had anything hard happen to you in your life, not a hand goes up, right? Why is it that when we get saved, we believe that everything should be perfect? Why is it that we believe that, God, God you should just do this for me. I'm, I'm following you. Everything's going to be wonderful, Lord. Why aren't you doing this for me? No, we're going to endure that hardship. Paul's saying it. And he says, when you come through that hardship, I want you to be like the soldier. I want you to be faithful to Jesus Christ. I want you to serve him. I want you to be like the athlete, competing according to the rules, not creating your own rules. God, if you don't get me out of this, then I'm not going to follow you anymore. But instead, faithfully enduring, faithfully pursuing, faithfully pushing through. And I want you to be like the hardworking farmer, just laboring and toiling in the field, laboring and toiling, laboring and toiling. Labor and labor and labor. That's, that's what they do. And then he says this. Oh, Paul, Paul knew what hard work was, didn't he? 
He knew. He, 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 was a, he was a tent maker. But he also said in 1 Corinthians, I labored more abundantly than they all, than all of them. Paul said, I labored harder than everybody. I labored harder than Peter. I labored harder than all the other apostles. I labored harder than anybody for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 7, he says, Timothy, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. In other words, he's saying, Timothy, I really want you to think about this. I want you to think about these things that we talked about. I want you to think about what it means to be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about the men that you're pouring into. Are they faithful men? Are you pouring in the things that you've learned? Can they then carry that stuff on, the things that you're, learned, that you're teaching them? Are they going to be able to teach others? Are, they, are you doing that? Are you, are you going to keep it going, Timothy? It's not just for you. But then he also said to Timothy, you're going to endure hardship. And he gave him the example of the soldier. He gave him the example of the athlete. And he gave him the example of the farmer. And Paul's just explained these illustrations of the Christian life. The soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. Each of these three occupations need great perseverance to succeed, don't they? You can't quit halfway through. What happens if the farmer quits halfway through the summer? Nothing. What happens if the soldier quits halfway through the battle? He doesn't, he doesn't receive the victory. What happens if, if the athlete quits, quits halfway through the race? What if you, you sign up, you're going to race. Halfway through, you go, I'm too tired, I'm done. You miss the victory. The farmer misses the, 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 uh, the, the uh, harvest. The soldier misses the victory also. You ever feel like in your Christian life, you're halfway through the battle? You're halfway through. You're almost there. If you quit, if you decide to make up your own rules, if you don't go back to strengthening yourself in the grace of Jesus Christ, you see, that's what it all comes back to. It started here with grace. It's going to, we're going to wrap it up with grace. God will give us the grace to be strong. He already has. God will give us the understanding in these things. Notice what Timothy, Paul says. May the Lord give you understanding. The question is, do you really want the understanding? Because when you go to the scriptures and you say, God, will you give me understanding? You better be willing to change and align with the understanding that he gives you. Because otherwise, there's no, he, he probably won't even give it to you. Because there's no re if you're not really looking to change, if you're not really looking to have that understanding so that you can use it for his glory, there's really no purpose in you understanding at all. You see, I think, and this is kind of a personal opinion, I think we overlook the grace of God. I think we take it for granted. I think we miss how powerful it really is. I think we don't fully comprehend it. And when we talk about those things that we receive, we've learned them in Sunday school. We've, we've heard them a lot of times our whole life. We don't really understand our sins are forgiven. Lord, would you give me understanding on that? We don't really understand that we've been given power over sin. I don't have to do these things. When I was in the flesh... I lived according to the flesh, but now I'm in, I have a choice. I can live according to the spirit or the flesh. That's what the scripture says. Which one will you choose? Lord, will you give us understanding in that? Lord, what does it really mean that I'm a child of God, that I'm grafted into the family of God? Now I'm, I'm, I'm an heir to the throne of Christ. I'm, an, I'm, I'm right there with him. I promised an inheritance. What does that really mean, Lord, that you've become our helper? We have, our, we have the Holy Spirit as a helper to us. What does that really mean? Lord, would you give us understanding? Lord, would you really help me understand what it really means to be a new creation? Do you know what that means? That all the, a new, you, are, you are born again, the Bible says. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All of these things we need to consider as we strengthen ourselves in the grace of Jesus Christ. And how often do we need to do that? Constantly. Every day, every couple of hours. You, you know when you need to do it. When the world 
is building in and the world is folding in and you are being pressured and and you can't take the stress anymore when you're worried when you're stressed out when you're sick when all these things when you don't know where to turn that's usually a pretty good indication it's time to turn to christ and time to go back and say lord strengthen me and i need to go back and remember what he has done for me i've said this before if you don't have promises of god that you were holding on to on a daily basis you need to go get some because you're missing out this book is filled with wonderful, beautiful promises of God that will help and carry you through any situation that you can endure. You need to lay it at the Lord's feet, grab onto his promises, and pursue what he's put you in and the life that he's given you. You go back and you hold on and you grab. And here's what happens in our life, because I've, do, I've done this myself. You, you lay something down at the Lord's feet, and then what do you do? About a few days later, you pick it back up again. And then what do you have to do? I have to go back and lay it down after I realize it's too heavy for me to carry. After I realize it's too hard for me to worry about, I can't, I can't handle it, I can't do it, what do I do? I lay it back down at my feet. What did he say? My burden is easy, my yoke is light. You know, that's the way that it is walking with the Lord. We shouldn't be a group of stressed out, bitter Christians. We should be people who are praising God. A lot of us are carrying weights and burdens and things that we don't have to carry. Maybe we've made up our own rules and we want God to do it our way. No, no, we need to humble ourselves before him and do it his way. We need to conform into him and realize he is the creator. We are the creation. He is the master. We are the servant. He's the leader. We're the follower. Too often we get it backwards. We ask God to bless what we're doing instead of coming alongside of him and saying, God, what are you doing? And how can I help in that? How can I be involved in that? Father, we just come before you. And Lord, as we hear these things, strengthening ourselves in the Lord, as we hear these things that we're going to endure hardship. We, we don't like that part, Lord, but we know it's true. We've, we've all endured hardship. We've all seen those things. So, Father, as we come before you now, I ask that you'd search our heart. Lord, is there, is there something in our life, or is there something that we need to lay down before you? Is there, have, we, have we made our own rules? Are we putting demands on you, God, that, that we shouldn't be putting? Have we, have we got our role convert, confused where we're seeing ourselves as the master and we're asking you to do things for us as opposed to us coming underneath of you? Or would you search our heart on those things? Hey, before we close now, I want to take just two or three minutes and I want you to go to the Lord quietly, privately. This is time for you and the Lord And I want you to consider the study and consider the scripture and perhaps even go back and read it and see what the Lord might speak to you, something that I didn't even mention. But I want you to to leave here having spent a little time with this because I know so often we get so busy to go out to lunch and other things, but when we come before the Lord and we put his word, we hold his word up like we do, we have to be willing to allow his word to change us. So go before the Lord now and see what he might have to say to you personally through this scripture through this message. So Father, would you speak to us now? It'll only be two or three minutes and I'll come back up and I'll close us in prayer. But you go quietly between you and the Lord now.